Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to our Michigan Man Visitors Edition. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Are you ready for week two? This Saturday, the University of Central Florida Knights will make their first appearance in the big house. I think it's safe to say most Michigan fans don't know much about this team. So today we'll hear from their radio voice of UCF football, Mark Daniels. Before that, here is my view from Section 17. We made quick work of Hawaii last week like everyone thought we would. The same is expected this week when UCF visits the big house. On paper, we are huge favorites, but as Bob Eufer used to say, and I always like to remind everyone of this, the only problem with that is we won't be playing Saturday's game on paper. Now this year's Michigan team appears to be an interesting mix of game-tested veterans and a lot of fresh-faced freshmen, which we saw last week. 17 of them took the field in week one, and I expect we'll see most of them play again this week. UCF didn't win a game last year and played a lot of young talent because of injuries. Most observers expect us to roll these guys, but I'm sure Coach Scott Frost and his team have other ideas. Before we hear from Mark Daniels, a reminder about the soon-to-be-released interactive app I've been telling you about for the last month. There is still time to register as a player and get a sneak peek at this new app. It will change the way you watch and interact with your favorite sports team, including your Michigan Wolverines, while they are playing. For more info, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and include your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com, and don't forget to leave your cell phone number. When this app hits Google Play and the iTunes stores in October, it will be all the rage, so find out why. UCF Radio play-by-play voice Mark Daniels is looking forward to calling Saturday's game from the big house. He knows everyone is counting the UCF nights out before the game even starts, but he thinks there is more talent on this team than most outside observers think. We'll see. He joins me next on our visitor's edition of The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
With us here on our visitor segment as we preview Saturday's upcoming game with University of Central Florida Knights is UCF radio play-by-play voice Mark Daniels. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, Mark, UCF fans were counting down how many days it had been since they tasted victory. So uh, Saturday's 38 to nothing win over South Carolina State had to be sweet for everyone. Well, certainly it was, uh, you know, welcome. Uh, the Knights did not won a game since the Hail Mary beating East Carolina to win their second straight American Athletic Conference title back in December 2014. But, you know, to Coach Frost and the university's credit, they did a, I thought a great job of really just selling new era with Coach Frost. And uh, I thought did the best job he can to put a forgetful season behind you. And, you know, came out and, and, and at moments uh, looked a, a little bit sluggish at the start, but then kind of got things going in the second half. And, you know, won a football game, and as Coach Frost has said many times, he just wanted his players to begin to have fun again, uh, to win. And when you begin to win, then you'll expect to win. When you expect to win, then winning will come in bunches. So it's a process, but certainly, uh, you know, got the season off to a good start. Makes people feel better about themselves. So now, uh, you know, on to uh, the next challenge. Absolutely. Well, uh, Michigan fans, of course, don't know much about um, University of Central Florida. This is the first ever meeting between the two teams. We know that George O'Leary was at UCF for over a decade and put together a pretty impressive record, 81 wins, 49 losses. So it's not like in the last decade or so this team and program haven't seen some good days. No, we're just a couple of years removed to winning the Fiesta Bowl in a top 10 finish. Uh, that year that UCF went 12-1 and one and won at Penn State and won at Louisville when they were a top six team and they were undefeated and uh, won the conference championship and then beat a Baylor team that had statistically at that point the best offensive season in the history of college football. And a number of guys went on to play in the NFL. Blake Bortles, obviously the quarterback. Rashad Perriman, the wide receiver, became a first-round draft pick and a bunch of other guys. And the team backed up the following year by, again, winning the American Athletic Conference championship. So, you know, last season was just one of those weird years where, um, you know, UCF lost his starting quarterback, Justin Holman, in the second game of the year. It lost in total eight starters to injuries the first third of the season, ended up playing just a ton of true freshmen that ideally would have redshirted. And things just began to slip away, and, and uh, the situation with Coach O'Leary certainly was a distraction. And, you know, I mean, your record is what it was last year, and UCF was winless, but the talent of that team wasn't a winless team. And some of those young players that did have to play last year, I think, gained some experience where I think as Coach Frost got here, he realized, hey, the cupboard's not as bare as people thought it was. Um, and I think that's made him feel better. Plus, he went out and recruited. But at UCF, uh, uh, really in its infancy as a program, played in one double A, made the move uh, to Division One, survived as an independent briefly, then to the MAC, then to Conference USA, where it was very competitive, winning a couple of championships, and then they won the first two titles in the AAC. And um, you know, now just trying to get itself back to where it's been, which is have been competing for conference championships. Well, as we know, the O'Leary days are are gone. Uh, Former Nebraska quarterback Scott Frost, uh, now the head coach. I know Athlon Magazine in the uh, the preseason said he was one of the 12 best new hires in all of college football in the last year. And he is, uh, you know, said to be bringing that Oregon kind of offense uh, to UCF. Uh, No huddle, just fast, fast, fast. Tell us about that change in offensive philosophy under Coach Frost and, and how that's being received. Well, Coach Frost uh, obviously had great success in the system out of Oregon and, and came here, believed that uh, he could uh, recruit players that want to play in this system and felt that was a big reason why. He turned on other jobs, including Power 5 jobs, because he didn't want to go to a place that he felt the resources weren't there to win. So he saw the recruiting hotbed that Florida offers, a chance to come play his offense where – 
you know, our traditional state powers of Florida, Florida State, and Miami have always played more of a pro-style offense, and while USF over in Tampa has gone a little bit more to the spread, no one's really been doing what they had done at Oregon. So he's come here, and as I remind people sometimes, you're not going to see the Oregon offense yet because he's just building this with a lot of new players and stuff, but you can see a little bit of, uh, of what they like to do. As far as the quick tempo, UCF in their game against South Carolina State ran 91 plays, which was about 20 more than they were averaging last season. And uh, it is designed to try to get a snap off every eight seconds. It's designed to have the defense kind of guessing, not being able to make substitutions. But it's going to take some time to get there. Right now, you know, it's just a, a process that's developing. Quarterback Justin Holman did not have a sharp first half in the opening game, but came back at a great second half. He's playing a number of true freshmen. So when he gets to players that he's comfortable with, I think you'll see more of a style like they had at Oregon. But again, it's going to take some time. As you said, whenever you put a new offense in, it does take time, especially if you're going to uh, you know, move to an offense like Oregon runs. But as you also mentioned, the cupboard wasn't bare, which is one of the reasons uh, Coach Frost uh, liked the idea of coming to UCF. A lot of young guys on that side of the ball, though, aren't there? Yeah, offensively, while Justin Ullman's a senior quarterback, uh, UCF started a true freshman at running back, Jawan Hamilton. He's a speedster kid out of Miami. They played a number of running backs in the game, including another freshman, Adrian Killens, was a kid that was his first commit from a high school power, Daytona Beach mainland, uh, played a number of true freshman wide receivers. Um, UCF maybe is the strongest and, and, and may have mentioned its best defensive player right now It's a true freshman uh, defensively in Tristan Hill. So uh, last night in the football game, there were a lot of guys that played their first college uh, game. And, and as Coach Frost said, I'm not here to just say, let's redshirt, take a year off. If you can help us. Uh, let's put you out there and play. And as again, he builds this program for this year. And you look at the next year, these guys playing now will have tremendous experience. And he believes that uh, they can help right now. And there's some guys that certainly did in the first game, understand the quality of uh, the opposition is going to get better as the year goes along. But the players enjoy playing for Coach Frost. You know, he, he's a young coach. He relates to them well, has a unique style when it comes to practice. UCF plays uh, music, the entire practice in their indoor facility. Um, they have their own DJ. Um, it's just a little bit different, new nutrition program. So there's a lot of things that Coach Frost took from all the resources at Oregon and they're brought to UCF. Ten starters uh, back in that offense, led by uh, quarterback Justin Holman. And you said he started off a, a bit shaky uh, on Saturday. 14 for 28 uh, overall in that game, though. Two TDs, and most importantly, he didn't uh, throw any picks, so that's huge in, in an opener. As far as what we're going to see Saturday, is he the prototypical kind of a spread quarterback? Uh, I don't prototypical. Again, Justin played in that pro style that the coach, Illyrian coordinator Charlie Taft had and learned from Blake Bortles before he took over, but he does have the size. Justin's 6'3", 6'4", he's probably about 215, 220, um, but it's an adjustment for him. Again, to, to instead of being a traditional seven-step drop and looking down Philly has a tremendous arm, this is much more of three sets, find the open man, and get the ball out. And, you know, Justin may have been, just, as Coach Frost said, just too excited, not nervous, but almost too excited, too much adrenaline in the first half. He settled down the second half. He was 8 of 11 for 165, a couple of touchdowns. He also ran for a touchdown. And he knows he goes back in the first half, and there's several plays that have receivers wide open and Justin just missed. And if he doesn't miss, it becomes a touchdown. And Coach Frost has great faith in him. Um, he's the guy with the most experience and, 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 you know, as he again gets comfortable, he'll make those decisions that certainly a uh, fit for what coach Frost wants to do. The offense is designed to have a ton of speed and you get the ball in the hands of those guys with speed and see if you can win some one-on-one -on -one battles in the open field. Well, a lot of guys, as you mentioned, got carries on Saturday, uh, Jawan Hamilton, Taj uh, McGowan, and Justin Holman had 12 carries uh, himself. 
Is this the kind of an offense? I know it's it's early with with Scott just uh, coming on board, but is it the kind of an offense that more heavily uh, run or pass? That's two different answers today versus what maybe game nine or ten is <laughs> going to be. Again, if you get comfortable, but. The offense by design is to have the quarterback, and I go back to when uh, uh, Scott helped develop Marcus Mariota. The offense is designed to have that quarterback really quickly evaluate how many guys in the box. And depending on the number of the box, you call run, you call play, um, and, and, and blocking schemes there. And the object is if I work this well, if I run the first play and I quickly snap the next ball within eight seconds and I do it the third or fourth time, by the time that fourth or fifth play comes along, the concept is you've not been able to substitute and someone's out of place defensively. And the quarterback finds that quickly, gets the snap off. But this is a run-first offense. It's been in Oregon. If you look at the numbers, they were tilted towards the run. Usually it's about 60 65% run is what Oregon was. And it's designed to get those uh, quick running backs or receivers in position where they can turn what is a one-yard play to a six-yard play. And then, again, if you get that defense out of position, whether it's a corner, safety, outside linebacker that is just trying to get back to the line and he's not in the right spot, you find that open seam, there's the 20-yard or 50-yard pass play. So eventually that's what UCF hopes it's going to be. But right now it's just still all kind of let's go play some games against somebody else and take what the defense to a degree gives us. For example, last night or on Saturday's game, uh, Justin Holman, it wasn't so much eight seconds. It was, hey, calm down. Let's look at the sideline. Let's see what the coach sees. Here's a play based on their formation. Let's run that. It was a lot more smoother for Justin in the second half. But again, this is still a process that's going to develop. With us on our visitors segment this week, as we uh, get ready for Saturday's game with the University of Central Florida Knights, is radio play-by-play voice uh, Mark Daniels. Mark, let's move over to uh, the defensive side of the ball. I know Last year was a rough year uh, for the defense as well as the entire team. Six starters coming back from last year. Run through the defense with us and tell us what kind of a defense we are going to see Saturday and some of the key players. Well, there are guys back, but UCF didn't make the adjustment going to a 3-4 this year after playing in the traditional 4-3, and their strength comes from back to front. All their starters are back in the secondary, a couple of really good corners and Shaquille Griffin and DJ Killings and a couple of good safeties, Rico Johnson. T.J. Muckerton's a fifth-year graduate. He's been at UCF for a couple of years, but he played at Iowa State before coming over uh, last year. That backside's good, um, good coverage. Last year, they just, I mean, they really struggled, not so much because of, of, of the secondary. There just was no pass rush, and quarterbacks had plenty of time to find receivers, and you can just cover so much um, before someone's going to get open. But defensively up front, UCF's got a couple of good players. Jemias Pittman now plays a nose tackle spot. Um, He's undersized a little bit in the sense he's about six foot six one, but a strong player. And then UCF's strongest defensive player right now is a true freshman named Christian Hill, number 95. He committed to Virginia a couple of days before he was to report, said, you know what, I, I don't think I want to go that far. I want to play closer to home. Virginia, with a new coach, allowed him to you know, uh, uh, freely come to UCF. And he's been amazing in the weight room. He had a very solid game. In the opener on Saturday, and linebackers not the you know not the tallest. This is an area where UCF's going to have to learn about their linebackers, particularly a game like this against Michigan for their size and physicality. Athletically, they're good, but physically, we'll just have to see what happens uh, with the linebacking core. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, whose twin brother is Shaquille, one of the corners, he's been a nice surprise to develop an outside linebacker. Um, uh, Earl Clark's a junior college transfer who's been at UCF now for two years. He has a chance to have a decent season. And Dimitri Brim is a transfer from uh, Virginia who played at UCF last year. So we'll see as these guys uh, you know, get some games under the belt. But clearly the defense had to get better from last year. And I think they're athletically 
uh, solid, but we'll see about physically as the year continues. Well, I know when you have a new coach come in, you usually have attrition uh, on both sides of the ball, and that, of course, affects your depth. Did a lot of players leave the program uh, when Coach Frost came on board so that depth is going to be an issue as this season progresses? Nobody left. Uh, there was a significant a couple of walk-ons that were looking for opportunities to play. But you know, Coach Frost came in on day one in December and he told the team, look, this is a program that has won before. we got to put aside what happened last year and truly a clean slate. And he proved it because there are a number of kids that started uh, for UCF last year that are not starting. Uh, that you know were beaten out by other players, but provide some depth uh, for UCF. There were a few uh, players on the offensive side. You wondered um, would they leave to go elsewhere, but um, I think Coach Frost said, "Give me a chance to at least go through a spring practice with you, learn about our system, and if it's a place you don't want to be, then we can talk about that." But to his and his staff's credit, UCF lost no one uh, when the new staff came in. Well, coming up uh, this Saturday, of course, first ever meeting uh, between uh, UCF uh, and Michigan. You know, as I said at the top of the interview, Mark, we don't know that much about UCF. Uh, were there any injuries uh, to note after the first game, by the way? No, UCF uh, had a great camp health-wise, uh, really had nobody that was uh, uh, injured or missed any time, an occasional red jersey, but uh, they were healthy through camp and uh, came out of the first game. Uh, very healthy. It was a big push by Coach Frost from a standpoint of the nutrition for his football team, the offseason conditioning. UCF has invested in that. Again, those are many things that Oregon uh, developed over the years. And uh, the team, as far as its body fat, it was a big mission of Coach Frost to, uh, he felt, get the team in better shape. And uh, he believes that they're in outstanding shape. Now, again, we'll learn about the physicality, and certainly a game like this will challenge them. But uh, no injuries that came out of the first football game. So they're a uh, a healthy team as they come to Michigan. Well, and that's good. So uh, it's good to get a game under everyone's belt. UCF has an idea, uh, a better idea of their team. And of course, Michigan does now too. So I don't know how much, if any, yet you've uh, been able to look at Michigan defensively and offensively, but starting on the, the offensive side of the ball from a UCF perspective, how do you think they attack this Michigan defense and match up with it? Well, it's a really interesting matchup. Look, I think there's great respect, obviously, for Michigan, its program and its history, and obviously for Coach Harbaugh has been successful anywhere uh, that he's been, and I can't speak for what Coach Frost is trying to diagram up in his laboratory right now, but, <laughs> you know, I think it's important for UCF to try to control the ball, which sounds a little bit odd for an offense that by design wants to score as quickly as possible, but I'm not quite sure UCF wants to get into that type of game with Michigan. I think the understanding is you can't afford to make mistakes early, fall down, and suddenly you're down two, three possessions, and it becomes very challenging, I think, to try and compete. So I think you'd like to be able to run the football with some uh, a success, be able to chew some time off the clock, and give yourself a chance, if you protect that football, to allow that game to kind of get quick in the sense that you're having those long drives of five, six, seven minutes. It's okay to get a couple of first downs, and if you have to punt, uh, punt the football. Just don't make uh, mistakes, and uh, that'll be challenging with an offensive line that I think is much better this year. Did struggle last year, but obviously they're going to get a big test. I had a chance to watch uh, you know portions of the game against Hawaii. Clearly, Michigan's a very talented football team, and. Um, Hawaii, I don't know if there's a team in the world that's had the challenge they yeah. did the first two weeks of travel. Um, so, again, I think you've got to be smart with the football. Um, and the one thing I'll say about this for UCF is that there's enough players on this team that to go to venues, it's no longer one of these, wow, I mean, I never thought I'd play here. We've been to Ohio State. We've been to Penn State. We played in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, we played at a you know, packed house in Louisville. I don't think the football team is going to be intimidated by the venue. I think they'll appreciate and hopefully get a moment to understand the history of it. 
But I think from Coach O'Leary's players, and now you know, as Coach Frost has inherited uh, this group, I don't think that's going to be an issue where it's overwhelmed. Michigan's talent is one that I think is the challenge for UCF. And, uh, you know, I think that's where Michigan has its advantage is, uh, you know, the physical style of play, um, the depth that they have, and how UCF needs to try to think, shorten the football game. But offensively, they're going to have to run the ball, and Justin Holman's going to have to not make mistakes. If he throws a couple of interceptions, um, particularly early, then it you know, could be a struggle. Now the UCF uh, program has an exciting young coach, Scott Frost, who's been around some very successful coaches and very successful programs and they have to be excited. But a lot of folks coming up, pretty good crowd. Yeah, UCF has done a good job selling tickets. Um, you know, there's an alumni base across the country. I think as some people up in Michigan may know a little bit about UCF's football success in the past from a standpoint of school. It's the second largest school in the country. Uh, fall enrollment was over 63,000. Uh, new downtown campus in Orlando. The campus for UCF is located on the east side of town, but there'll be a new downtown, downtown campus in the next decade that'll push UCF's enrollment well north of 80,000, um, largest television market uh, without an NFL team, uh, almost as big as Miami uh, with 1.6 million people, uh, 150,000 alumni in the three-county area around uh, where the campus is. So it's a large school that's only built on half its land um, and has had incredible enrollment growth in the last 30 years, a leader in many areas as far as hospitality and with the space center not far away. So um, a school that many people still may learn about from a standpoint of that football program has had some success, but one of the youngest schools in the country and the fastest rising school uh, in the country. So from a fan standpoint, uh, you know, UCF's got a few thousand folks that are coming up there. I know they're excited for the opportunity. And uh, listen, I've done this for 22 years. I've had the chance to broadcast with some great venues. I've not done one of the big house, so it's exciting for me to get up there and experience that, and hopefully we'll have a good football game. Well, it will be, uh, I'm sure, an interesting trip for all of the fans, and I think you'll enjoy the big house. Good. We look forward to it. Uh, like I said, we've had a chance to be in some great venues. Ohio State a couple of years ago, but uh, have not done this. For me, it's campus 195. I've done, done games at 195 different campuses. Uh, well, this will be the 195th different campus, so I look forward. Uh, you know, Great respect, obviously, for the program, the history there, and uh, look forward to getting a chance to roam the campus and certainly uh, enjoy the stadium after it's run Saturday. Well, with us on our visitors segment this week as we prepare for Saturday's second home game of the season, uh, University of Central Florida UFC Knights radio play-by-play voice Mark Daniels. Mark, we thank you for taking time uh, to join us this week and hope you enjoy the trip and the weekend in Ann Arbor and the Big House. Thank you much. An injury update and a few game day facts are next on Quick Hits here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, Jim Harbaugh said on Monday that Taco Charlton and Brian Monet will not play this week. Monet had an MRI over the weekend, and it is being reported he will be back in three weeks or so. Jim didn't say that, but it has been reported in other circles. Other than bumps and bruises, we are in decent shape for Saturday. 
We should see Jordan Lewis and Davion Smith back and ready to roll, but don't be surprised if we have a few starters still sitting as they get back to full strength. Not to say Saturday will be a walk in the park, but we have to stay as healthy as we can for this formidable Big Ten schedule. Here are a few game day facts. This is the first ever meeting between Michigan and UCF. Head coach Scott Frost is in his first year as the head man. He, of course, was the quarterback for Nebraska when they shared the national championship with us back in 1997. He was also the quarterback coach at Oregon and developed Marcus Mariota into a pretty decent player. Last year was one UCF fans would like to forget. They were 0-12, suffering a boatload of injuries through the season. They returned 19 starters, 10 on offense, 7 on D, and 2 special teams players. They will run a very fast version of the spread offense, much like Oregon does. Their last bowl appearance was a 34-27 loss against North Carolina State in the 2014 St. Petersburg Bowl. They are members of the American Athletic Conference. The weatherman says temps will be in the mid to upper 70s Saturday, but we could get wet. Showers or a thunderstorm are in the forecast. So bring your rain gear. Kickoff is at 12 noon. Before we part, a reminder about the soon-to-be-released interactive app I've been telling you about. There is still time to register as a player and get a sneak peek at this very new app. It will change the way we watch and interact with our favorite teams while they are playing. For more info, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and include your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and don't forget to leave your cell number. When this app hits Google Play and the iTunes Store in October, it will be all the rage. Find out why. On Tuesday's Game Day edition, we are scheduled to visit with Michigan beat writer Mark Snyder from the Detroit Free Press to recap Saturday's game and look ahead to a visit from Colorado. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, our guest will be Mark Johnson, the radio play-by-play voice of Colorado football. So make sure you join us for that. Our free show apps are available in the Google Play and iTunes stores, so check one of them out and hear the show anytime, anywhere. That's a wrap for our Visitor's Edition. I'll see you back here next week. Until then, I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Enjoy Saturday's first-ever matchup with UCF And have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Think victory, beat UCF. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.